shoots at him with a shotgun. I'm trying to figure out. This is going to be an amazing podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I say welcome to Geeks with Kids, your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. Hey, look, I did it right. (laughs) That was awesome. I know. Thank you. I am one of your hosts, Eric. And joining me this week again is Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Eric. How's it going? Oh, no. That sounds like my wife coming downstairs. Uh-oh. You're in trouble. No, that might mean that Megan's going away on call. Oh. Anyway, we'll deal with that uh, if we have to come to that. <clears throat> yes, this will be all edited. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. You know, you know, it's been a long time since we podcasted, like... A day. (laughs) Still, I'd love to hear your voice. I know. I know. This is why we we play video games online and talk to each other. (laughs) Yep. You sound super enthused. Also joining us is Shows. Hey, Shows. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Same old. Yeah. How are you doing? It does does feel like it was just yesterday that we were speaking. Yeah. And, you know, just because it was yesterday, you know, we brought back Hawk. How's it going, Hawk? Not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, after having that whole episode about lists, I thought, why not do another episode of lists this this week? You know, yeah, actually. Um, so frequently in conversations with us. Well, well, this ep- this mm-hmm. episode has been sort of brewing for like a couple of weeks. I, I remember throwing it, throwing the idea to you guys like four weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember what conversation uh, started it, but. I remember. Like- I, I was talking to Stu about it, like how uh, how some movies have broken us over the years. We were talking about the never-ending stories, and he was like, he was like yeah, that would be a good episode. And I was like, you know what? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good episode. I'll, I'll, you can come on, Stu. And then I forgot to invite him. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so um, also there's the, on Facebook, there's, there have been these, you know, these, these uh, memes thrown around. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the ones that, uh, you know, the spoilers. This is about um, Infinity War. People are like, uh, kids nowadays are, are going to get traumatized by that. And and then the next image is, hold my beer. And it's a picture of Artrax dying from uh, the never-ending story or like Optimus Prime dying. Yes. Yeah. Right. Those are a, yeah, mm-hmm. a little more, you know traumatizing because it wasn't a thing back then mm-hmm. no. but then again but anyway i would you know yep. rick and morty kind of called it in that one episode when the summer said bitch my generation gets traumatized by breakfast <laughs> that, this is the this is the world of trump right <laughs> but anyway so so this episode we're going to talk about movies that you know sort of broke us when we were children either you know there are children's movies that broke us or movies that we really shouldn't have seen at that age and i feel like I feel like Hawk, since you are our guest, you should be. You should go first. You should tell us your first movie. Let us know what it's about, and then we'll discuss the trauma. Well, let it out. Let it out. Yes, as uh, we were talking, and that, and actually, that Muppets uh, video that you posted, and that reminded me of it. One of the first movies I can remember was Charlotte's Web. Hmm. I don't know if the you animated know. movie, the animated movie, anim- Charlotte's Web. Uh, typically I w it was during a birthday party. I had a Chuck E. Cheese and that movie was playing. Well, that's traumatizing enough as it is. Right. But (laughs) that was playing on a continuous loop the entire time that we were there. It was like the one video that they had and they just kept playing it over and over again. And obviously 
the ending with the spider dying. Hmm. Have you? Well, you should explain. You should explain the movie for the people who've never seen it. It had to do with a prize pig uh, who grew, who was basically kind of raised uh, from a piglet uh, under the tutelage of the spider that lived in the rafters and that above his stall. All right, and so he kind of grows up, and he has his own little adventures in that. And there's a point in the movie in that where you know Charlotte, she uh, basically lays her eggs uh, and dies. Uh, it was a very emotional scene. I, I'll have to find you a clip of it in that, but it was the one. I, it was one of the first experiences that you know I had through a movie about about death and then rebirth. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's fair yeah. anyone else got get traumatized by uh, Charlotte's Web I don't even remember if I saw this movie as a child I think I may have seen it as a teenager maybe so I feel like it was more the book that that caused me the the, the trauma that goes along with Charlotte's Web I didn't even know it was a book oh yeah oh yeah, it, was, it, yeah, yeah it started off as a book and is it a children's book like a picture book no it's a no, it's a, novel, it like a novelization novel. so yeah. Now I remember the movie. I don't remember being as traumatized, but I do remember being very sad with the ending. Definitely, it was sad. Uh, it, it, uh, not so much traumatizing, but definitely the concept of you know age and aging and dying was you know pretty heavy in that through it. That's fair. I think. I think. See, you you get traumatized by that spider movie. I would throw arachnophobia on there. <laughs> Way more <laughs> traumatizing spider movie as a child. <laughs> Again, that's not even on my list. <laughs> not children's movies. Not <laughs> anyway. Although cool. I did see it as a child. I wonder what year that came out. Yeah, oh, something arachnophobia. It was probably like ninety-two. Arachnophobia. Oh, no, no, definitely maybe sooner. Nineteen ninety. Was it ninety? Okay. Oh God, I'm just looking at the poster and it's giving. Oh, me I feel chills. like just the Ew. trailer scared me for that one. Oh God, Ew. Ew. that was a Ew. comedy though. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it was. Oh, I'm not going to watch this movie again. I remember seeing it and being like, no. <laughs> spiders will haunt me forever, forever and ever, forever, ever, 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 and ever, never. <laughs> I just remembered one of the things that may have inspired this, uh, uh, this concept. Sorry, Hawk, did you want to keep going? I, I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, I was going to say, if it, you know, on the concept of bugs and that, obviously you got to call out uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which I made the mistake well, of going to see when I was nine yeah. years old in the theater. <laughs> Eh, whatever. Well, if that's on your list later, we'll talk about Indiana Jones, and we'll talk about how Crystal Skulls, the one that traumatized <laughs> all of us. Um, anyway, let's move too on. Soon, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> if you're all done with uh, with Charlotte's uh, sad sad web of tears, let's move over to Shouse. Shouse, give us your first movie or okay. TV movie, whatever. Okay, yeah, I have two. Um, they're they're a little bit more obscure, but I remember when I watched them as a child. Uh, they, they gave me nightmares and, um, the first one was actually meant as a child's, uh, program. It, it was a, a television special. It was a Muppet special called the Muppet musicians of Bremen. And it was, uh, it, it, um, like, I'm just looking at the, the information on this because like even pulling it up in my memory is causing a little bit of stress, <laughs> but, but it's. <laughs> It's it's if you have a chance to go on YouTube and look this up just to watch a, a clip of it. It's just the way these puppets look, the way um, th- these animals talk to each other, and 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 the the uh, storyline that was associated with this. Like ba- basically, there are uh, these animals that escape from their cruel masters, and they um, 
they, they go on this adventure and they find some instruments and they end up playing jazz music, but then they come across some, some criminals and, and like the setting and the, the way that the movie was, um, was presented was just, just perfect for, for terrifying a small child. And, uh, and, and even now, like trying to watch the YouTube, um, makes me very uncomfortable. I don't know what, what did you guys have a chance to take a look at the clip that I shared with you? I, I, shared, I, I watched a little bit and it was too freaky. Like it just like the puppets were really weird. Yeah. Like, like, like not at all warm and comforting. And the story was a little odd, especially since you made me jump around in the, uh, in it. So it's just like, no, you know what? I can't deal with this. Plus I was watching it really late at night. So I didn't want any of those funky dreams like you. Well, that was, yeah. It, it, I don't know. What it it said that it came out in uh, 1972. So it, it was, it was from a while back. So when I had seen Before it, it had already been out for, for quite a while. It must've been syndicated on television when, when I, uh, when I saw it, but um, it, it is on YouTube. If any of our listeners want to um, have an interesting experience. You know what? Maybe I'll put it on the Facebook after we post this mm-hmm. episode. Sure. But I know what it is about mm. Jim Henson and that. The guy took felt and stuffing and that, and he was able to humanize these things to like a point that, you know, we're never going to forget mm-hmm. them. They were characters we grew yeah. up with. Yeah, but there was something off with these characters. Uh-huh. Like, um, like, they were just, like, scary. I know that they were supposed to be, like, a little bit warm and endearing and sort of like the downtrodden animals, but... They, I just, I didn't, I didn't feel There's it. I didn't like it. Un, uncanny Muppet Valley element there for some reason. <laughs> yeah, but not really because Uncanny Valley is that weird level where it's too real. Yeah, but this is this was. I don't know if this it's real. It just felt. Well, that's what I meant by Muppet Muppet Valley. You know, mm-hmm. there there was something. Un, uh, yeah, there was something. I guess I don't know whether they didn't perfect it or they were purposely experimenting. I don't know. It just it, it moved away from the the cuddliness of Muppets, mm-hmm. the silliness. Plus they had, yeah, plus they had those life size Muppets. Yeah, you know, the, the people size Muppets, which are just really like a head. Yeah, and like gloves. And I, I don't. Yeah. I never did like even yeah, on see, the Muppet. That's where the uncanny valley element comes into it because there's a, it's 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 verging on moving towards uh, human but with a muppet face which then you know begs the question like what is that then you know <laughs> a muppet is definitely closer to a puppet than a person yeah. the story for this was was particularly dark as well like you saw some animal cruelty you saw some weapons being used some uh, and and combining it with like thunderstorms and like dark settings and things, I, I couldn't see something like this being made today. Like I, I wouldn't oh. expect something like this to ever appear on you know Netflix for kids. Oh God, no! I mean, right? That was the seventies. You could get away with anything back then. Mm-hmm. It's it's true. I didn't realize that Kermit the Frog hosted that special. That seems weird. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he starts it off like sitting on a log, like telling everyone, "No, oh, this is the story," and then and then it begins after that. Come along, children. Let me scare the crap out of you. <laughs> it was it was later syndicated alongside the Muppet Show. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Is this based on a book? This is based on a book. It's got to be. It uh, says it's based on the folktale, the musicians of Brennan, which was like a, a German. German folk tale. Oh well, there you yeah, go. Of course, Come it's on. gonna be scary. Germans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's. Uh, you all good with this one? Did it, did we did we bring up some? Uh, some bad memories <laughs> shows too many bad ones. You know, I, I think I'm going to be okay. I'm just going to breathe into this bag for a few minutes and then I'll, I'll rejoin you guys. 
I'll I'll, ran- <laughs> I'll randomly send you pictures from that uh, show as we go along to Steve. Give us your first one. Uh, well, I have another one I want to discuss, but I'll stick with the plan. Um, so you already mentioned it earlier, which was uh, The NeverEnding Story, which is a film that uh, I very much uh, love to this day because I think mm-hmm. it introduced a lot of um, uh, themes and concepts uh, that uh, were pretty mind-blowing for a child. Um, but uh, yeah, if you don't know the story, it's based on a book, which by the way, the author was extremely upset with the film production and didn't feel that it represented anything to do with his book. And he actually tried to sue them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would recommend that if you do care about books versus movies, you should probably read the book as well because it, it, it is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but the film version uh, revolves around uh, a kid, a child called uh, Bastion, who is very shy and is being bullied, and uh, is having some trouble at home as well. And uh, he uh, discovers a book um, while hiding in the uh, called the Neverending Story. While hiding, yeah. Well, actually, he he steals wow. it <laughs> from a bookseller and then hides in the library, uh, in his school library, and he ends up, I guess, locking himself in there and uh, and reads it overnight um, rather than dealing with the world. And um, the uh, the book itself is about uh, this other world called Fantasia. And uh, as the story progresses uh, with its hero Atreyu, um, there's a bit of a crossing. Uh, a sort of a metaphysical element to the story in which the the boy Bastion reading the book finds himself uh, connected to uh, the story in uh, in the book he's reading. So, I mean, it, it, it's pretty meta uh, as far as, uh, you know, kids' movies go. Um, and uh, the world that was created in the movie is, uh, is pretty fantastic because it's meant to represent uh, all fantasy. Uh, so they went, you know, uh, out of their way to try to create uh, monsters and um, and creatures that were uh, extremely imaginative. Uh, but nevertheless, it had a kind of a dark quality about it because the stakes uh, around which uh, Atreyu's quest uh, revolves uh, was pretty heavy because there was uh, this force that was overtaking Fantasia and slowly uh, erasing it called mm, nothing. nothing. And so again, for a child, this was a this was sort of an existential terror, you know, like, you know, what's in the closet or what's underneath the bed. This is even worse. This is the total eradication, you know, is absolute um, emptiness, you know. And and so uh, Atreyu was sent on a quest uh, to discover a cure for this. And it's, it's, you know, kind of a vague quest, you know. <laughs> and so he goes off like any hero does. But uh, but all the while, there's this this existential thing that's that's consuming uh, all fantasy, basically. Anyway, I guess I'll get to the main point, though. The the scene that everybody thinks of when they think of this uh, movie is uh, Atreyu actually uh, is this is meant to be this this famous uh, warrior. Uh, he's also a kid. Um so that that's a bit mind bending, you know, there, but he also has a, a horse uh, and uh, the horse is called, uh, uh, was it Artax? I believe. Yes. Artax. And um, yeah. And, and it's sort of like his, his constant companion through the whole yeah. film. And at one point uh, they encounter a, a swamp, uh, which uh, uh, is representative of, I would say, depression, basically, uh, because um, they get stuck in it and they, they start to lose their will. And uh, Atreyu is able to break free, but Artax is unable to. 
and um, and you basically see the, the the horse sink, and the end result is uh, Artax is actually consumed by the swamp, and he's, it's just this image of of Atreyu, you know, waist up in this muck with the reins of his horse just pulling pulling. you know strewn into the mud, you know, and it's just it's horrible, you know, like because. Mm-hmm. You know, like the kid just barely made it, and then he loses, you know, his horse. You know, and, and of course, I think for any child, uh, his best that friend. would be uh, the worst. So, and best friend, yes, it's true, and his only companion on this insane quest up to this point. You know, um, so I don't know if I want to go any further into the details of the story, but I think that that uh, you know that yeah. covers it. Um, you, know, you know what? <clears throat> Despite all of the Artax thing, the thing that really stood out of my mind that scared me as a child was the wolf. Wolf. Oh sure, yes. Gamork. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, his uh, eyes, the green eyes, and just like coming out of the like the darkness was just terrifying as a kid. No, no, that's like, true. Ugh. That's true. Yeah, Gamork. Um yeah, the nothing, uh, even though it is this uh, you know, um it's it's not really a character in the traditional sense, is some sort of um entity almost. And uh yeah, it actually brings it summons this uh this giant you know, wolf-like creature, uh, which was uh, animatronic, uh, you know, back when uh, they knew how to do those things. And so, yeah, there's this wolf pursuing a Cheu for uh, for most of it. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It gets to a point where they actually do encounter each other. And uh, the way they made it talk and the way they made it snarl. And yeah, it was just very was amazing. You yes. know what? The Nothing is a good character because it's not. it didn't just show up in this movie. It also showed up in The Fifth Element. You know, it, it, it's spun off into its own uh, in spinoffs. Sure. And I remember a TNG episode, actually, <laughs> that one where Beverly was caught in that shrinking bubble and that that was slowly taking people away from the Enterprise, away from her. And not just from her, but from the memories of people left behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Why am I drawing a blank on here? What, what was the episode called? Uh, uh, it's probably like fourth season. Um, it, was at, it was definitely after uh, the the uh, Picard Borg thing. Uh, yeah, fourth season. I can't remember the name of it, though. I'll have to look it up. I'm saddened. I know. In shows. I know. I'm losing my Trek cred. Or trekker our, our, our listeners are yelling at their, uh, at their listening devices right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Remember Me. Is it really? Remember yes. Me. Re- oh, Remember Re- Me. Yes. Sorry. Uh, now I got to go watch um, that episode. Did anyone else have like never ending story on their mind when they were thinking when I brought up this? Uh, I, it, it did cross my episode. mind on that because I know a lot of people in that were pretty scarred by it. And that I remember I did the I, I did a whole thing on the book in that uh, back in university for uh, a literature class on fairy tales and that. And yes. <laughs> The ending was changed significantly. Uh, oh, yeah, no, they're they, not they the took, same story. Yeah. yeah, they took elements out of it. But, and they like, put the whole the final movie, act of the book, the um, basically, like, you know, when mm-hmm. the kid yeah. realizes he's based... Uh, from what I remember, he's just one of many of the, of these kids that become, like, that, what, the king? Do you, uh, do you remember? Do, you've read the book, right, Stephen? Uh, I don't remember no, it now, though. I don't remember it. It was like yeah, a long time ago. I read that one. Other existential like, nightmare that happens to the kid at the end after, you know, like, you know, stopping the nothing and, you know, saving the princess. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll do a whole episode on the never ending story. It's a, it's a big enough movie sure. from our childhood that uh, maybe we'll discuss over beers 
in real life. That would be yeah. really cool. Great. Project. We, we, you know, find a PDF of the book, you know, or, or just buy the book. It, it's one of those books. I, I, I remember looking at it and being like, cool. They have different colored ink. Yeah. In it. Yeah. That was a good <laughs> way of like the different. Yeah. For associating the, the real world versus the, uh, the never ending story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any, I was good. Final thoughts on, uh, on the never ending story before we move on. Nope. Nope. So there it is. There's the Germans again. Uh, no, yes, I was going to say uh, earlier, I just remembered one of the things that inspired this, uh, this episode. Uh, it, it had come up a few times and it was the trailer for the serpent in the rainbow, which uh, oh, all yeah. of us saw, although none of us saw the movie. And it was the ending where uh, the guy's Don't in the coffin me. and he goes, I'm Don't not... bury me. I'm not dead. Yeah. What? And Bill it scarred everybody who saw it. Yeah. I don't no. even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Wow, I thought I thought that was one of the ones that uh, okay, it must have been just me and Hawk talking about it then. But uh, I'm positive that you were part of that conversation, but I guess not. Yeah, I, I, could, maybe, I could have blocked you guys out. It, it's maybe really another scary. reality where the nothing <laughs> nothing consumed. Where the nothing won. Yeah. All right. The, anyway, um, that's the, all. Um, I, I, you know what? Also, in the Never Ending Story, it wasn't just the scary stuff. Like like the wolf, the nothingness that scared me. Like the character designs were so, yeah. like you were saying, fantastical that some of them were just like ter- like. Yeah, yeah. If looking. if there's time, I do have another movie similar to the oh, Never Ending Story, but only if we get to it. Um, I want to explain. Yeah, we could we could do a, a a sequel to the this like other movies that scarred us as teenagers and sure, stuff sure. like that. No, well, anyway, I'm gonna I'm, on, I'm gonna go into my movie because I was 12 when I when I saw this movie, I was, I was telling these guys earlier that the two movies on my list were both like both came out in 1993. And I happened to see them both in 1993 because I guess we had TMN at the time, which is the movie network for you guys who aren't in Canada. Um, which is, yeah. uh, which is not a good thing for children as you're going to hear. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the first movie, I'm going to go with the first movie <laughs> as alive, <laughs> which, you know, it's, is a movie yeah, you shouldn't show a twelve-year-old. Oh goodness! Um, oh, I might have been eleven at the time. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so this, this movie is based on on uh, on real life events. Um, it's uh, it's about the nineteen se- um, wait. It's about the nineteen seventy-two. Uh, your the soccer um, team. Wait, the soccer team from Uruguay that crashes in the Andes Mountains. So basically, these guys crash. And, you in, know, in, in, a, in an unreachable location, is, right? Yes, in the Andes, yeah, the Andes. <laughs> so, so they crash, you know, and a bunch of them all die, which is the first time I really saw an airplane crash on, you know, on screen. Alive was the first time you see people like I saw people get sucked out of a plane, which is terrifying as it was. And then Ugh. they crash. So the so the tail section is in one part of the mountains, and the rest, like the fuselage, landed elsewhere. And people, you know. Some people aren't as hurt as others, but some people are unmovable. So you know, they're 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 rationing their 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 food, obviously, because you know, they've crashed in the mountains. So as they're there, they see like there 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 are people that are going out and just checking out, making sure you, you can see, um, you can see the um the search planes coming. So as they're going out, as they're like sitting outside of the plane, out, out, out of the fuselage, they see one of the planes and it sort of tips its wing at them, which they assume means 
they're going to, um, you know, get rescued. That like, they've seen them, and uh, so the plane flies off, and they're like, "Oh yeah, everything is awesome. Let's eat all of our food." So, so they, you know, they're eating all their chocolate, they're drinking all their wine, they're like, "Oh, that's awesome." And then days pass, and like, "Oh man, nothing's happening." So they decide to make uh, a trek off to the the tail section, uh, which has the uh, like a transponder, like a radio. So three of them sort of, uh, I believe three of them sort of walk off and go to the radio. And then they find out that they were calling off the search for them. Like they, they had not seen them. So, so they go back to the main fuselage and people oh. had died already. Like they had buried them and because they had no food and they were just slowly like drinking melted snow they were getting weaker and weaker and after much debate (laughs) much debate they decide that the only way to to survive is for three of them to leave and trek down the mountains and get help for the rest of them but to do that and to get to um to have the energy to go they have to eat um you know the people who had died they're dead friends. They're dead, friends. which is you know terrifying. You know it's a, it's 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 a it's this great story of perseverance and stuff, but yeah, it's terrifying. Like the 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 ends that they had to get to, and me as a eleven slash twelve year old is just like that that that's that's their buddy they were just talking to a couple like minutes ago. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, it sort of blew my mind. They actually made fun of this movie on. Uh, on the Simpsons, like like Bart was watching it when he was too young, and his eyes were just like wide. And I understand that feeling because I was the same way. Did anyone yes. else see this movie? No, I haven't seen it. No, no. Yeah, a lot of many years ago. Yeah. Ethan Hawke was in it. Roles, um, it. No one else of note. Yeah. Vincent Spano. That's why exactly you don't right. get movie networks for no. your kids. It's uh, Josh I, I, ex- I expect people in ten years will be able to tell similar stories because they had Netflix and the, yeah, all the crazy right. crap that they ended up watching. Well, there's there's more. Yeah. Well, you know this this movie was narrated by John Malkovich. It was directed by Frank Marshall. Um, it was. The music was by James Newton Howard. Like this movie was a big movie. I'm pretty sure it won stuff too, didn't it? No, it was more oh, of a. I, if I'm remembering correctly, a lot of people kind of did not like this movie. It got a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That seems strange. No, it wasn't a critical hit or like a box office smash, but you know, it was one of those ones that you know, if it was on TV one night, and you you're sat just down like and watch traumatized it. the whole time. Oh man, yeah. I, I wish yeah. like I wish I had the numbers of how many people actually survived. I think it was something like six or something. Wait, nope. Here it is. Um, so there are twenty nine deceased and sixteen pretty- survivors. Ooh, that is rough numbers. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> each of those people came back remembering yeah. what Ew. what human flesh oh, tasted like. Anyway, um, thoughts. <laughs> I have no thoughts I, other than I'm everyone's sort of just like, yeah, stunned. Well, I mean, it's stunning even as an adult. So I can't even imagine, you know, how that would have completely affected your life yeah. <laughs> watching that when you I, were a kid. I, I think, I think, right. 
like, and knowing that it was based on a true story so yeah like, exactly and like i think i think was this i was 12 i think when i was in 95 i had to fly over somewhere for the first time <laughs> exactly so, so the first time i'm thinking like well we're flying to alberta so there are no mountains so if we crash we're gonna crash on the plains i guess that's okay <laughs> The, this is the logic Jesus. that was going through my brain as I was going through it. Horrendous. I'm fine with. Hey, did you ever? See, you ever see oh, the movie that Ravenous? They have. Um, that's got cannibalism in it too. It was uh, late nineties. It was a late nineties movie starring oh, Robert yeah. Carlyle and Guy Pierce, and that was set during Columbia, and it had a lot to do with uh, the uh, the old uh, legend mm. of the mm. the Wendigo. Uh, and yeah. basically cast Robert Carlyle, Carlyle as a cannibal in that. There was this hilarious scene because uh, what's his face? Jeremy North? Uh, Jeremy Davies, sorry. Uh, you might remember from Lost. He was in it too. And he was he played this character who was injured in that. He, he always had his hand bandaged from some wound that he got. Uh, I remember the four of them had to spend the night in some tent in that. And uh, they didn't know exactly what you know Robert Car- Carlyle's, you know, major malfunction was at the time of that but during the night you, you hear jeremy davies screaming and that and everybody wakes up and he screams out he oh, was oh, yeah i do me. remember that you know what i have seen this movie yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah. weird it was yeah. a fantastic well, cannibal story uh if you if you want some lighthearted movies you should you should definitely listen to both of mine so first one alive 1993 <laughs> i guess hawk you're the next one Oh, Just what about Shouse? Just did um, Shouse he did the little... musicians of Bremen. Remember, Scary Muppets. Yeah. Your last movie. Okay, Your so last I guess movie. You, and we're running late. One. So the only other movie. I... All right. So this was when you know I had an older brother, and he was you know I was watch, trying to watch the same movies that he was, but he was in this a major a horror idea. phase at the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Oh. Creep show. Oh, God, why? In particular, the one story starring Leslie yeah, Nielsen cool. and Ted Danson. Uh, now, Leslie Nielsen plays this guy who married a younger woman, trophy wife. He had money and, you know, influence in that. But a younger man was sleeping with his wife and he found out. And that guy was played by Ted Danson. And now Leslie Nielsen lures him down to this beachfront property that he has, you know, completely isolated. It's away from neighbors and everything. Uh and they, he knew that Ted Danson's character knew it was a confrontation in that uh, uh, regarding his wife, uh, who he hadn't been in touch with in a few days. And now, Leslie Nielsen takes him down to the beach under the pretext that he's, you know, taking him to see his wife and that. But all Ted Danson sees is this big mound of dirt that's been dug up in the sand. And he thinks it's a grave and he runs over to it and finds it's just an empty hole. Leslie Nielsen pulls a gun on him at this point and tells him that he wants him to get down on his knees in the Ugh. hole and bury himself in the sand. He just wants to talk, and then he'll take him to a, you know, take him to his lover. So he he ends up doing it with a gun pointed at him, and that he buries him up to his neck in the sand, right near the edge of the shoreline. The sand is all wet and hard, and that, and when you're on your knees and that, trying to press up against sand and that, it just forces you back down. So he buries him up to his neck in the sand and then shows him, takes off, shows him the video monitor and uh, the camera that he set up and she turns on the video monitor and to show 
his wife buried somewhere down the shoreline away from them up to her neck in the sand as the shore as this as the ocean is coming in the tide is rising higher and higher and ted danson's going to meet the exact same fate as her that one just stayed with me tell us what happened what happened (laughs) don't leave us in like suspense i haven't seen Well, it, it was, of course, you know, the, the tide rolls in and that, and Ted Jansen and her both drowned in that. But, of course, it's Creepshow. It's a, it's a horror story written by Stephen. I believe that one was written by Stephen King. He wrote all those ones for that for that movie. Uh, they come back at the end. And that they take, well, they take it, uh, Leslie Nielsen's character down to the shoreline as zombies, of course, you know, because they've already died at this point. And they bury him up to his neck in the sand. And he's screaming and laughing at them the entire time. And oh, I totally remember the graphic novel that went along with this, too, and because I, I, I got to read that, too. He kept screaming at them, I can hold my breath for a <laughs> oh, really long time. A really long time. Um, um, okay, that sounds creepy. <laughs> I'm trying to think of yeah, how to go forward oh. from this. Um, we'll just now I have the all these pictures. <laughs> the, no, it's 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 neat because, um, oh man, that that's totally sounds like a Stephen. Yeah, King like thing. I'm disturbed um, now. So the yeah, it's, so it's there a were zombies story. afterwards, and they wait. Why did he bury them in the first place? Because they were they were having an affair. Just because of that. Was, that's it. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he wanted to kill yeah. his wife and his lover. Yeah, it was his younger wife, the younger guy, you know, and he, but Re- Leslie Nielsen's character was vain and rich and he wasn't, you know, he didn't yeah, want to be, if he know, can't have her, he might as well uh, kill her and him. Guy. Yeah, that's uh, it. It's yeah. a short story. Yeah. And have some, and have yeah. some sadistic well, fun. At least, uh, I guess the, the, yeah, okay. I, I don't know how to go forward. Go, go shows, I guess. Yeah. Those vignettes <laughs> are, those vignettes. Even, will, even will like, even you. like. Like Stephen King's later works, like the or later movies, like the the one that's on Netflix, the one with the rats, like just disturbing. Yes, <laughs> and I like Stephen King. Yeah, I mean, like it was it, it was oh, like for short his short stories and that he was always always able to take some small psychological horror concept and that you know like say a woman being like you know handcuffed to the bed when her husband dies of a heart attack mm-hmm. in some isolated cabin and that and. and I'd, story I'd, around yeah. that. I'd love to do uh, uh, an episode on Stephen King or even like like just like one of his series like The Dark Tower because I love The Dark Tower and they did not do it justice in the movie. Oh Well, we'll talk oh, about it another did. time. Uh, shows, what's your last movie to, to, that uh, shaped your 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 little mind? Sure. Um, okay, this one was a made-for-TV movie. Um, it was released in 1994 it was called without warning and it was presented sort of in a uh, war of the world style like news broadcast uh it it was presented in such a way that you would uh if you weren't entirely sure what you were watching you might think it's real at first um and it was it started off with like this sort of cheesy looking soap opera um that would very quickly be interrupted by these news reporters that were saying, you know, Oh, there's, there's some, some interesting uh, things going on. There were some meteors that crashed. We're going to follow up on this. Um, and, and as the story progresses, you see there's a lot more going on than just meteor crashes. People started acting strange. Um, 
there there are, are whole towns that end up becoming deserted. People don't know why. Um, th- then they they discover that um, this is actually um, uh, an alien. Uh, th- these these um, things that crash, these meteors that crash, were actually like visitors from another planet, or there was some some type of of alien uh, thing that crashed. And and what happened was. Um, humans in their infinite wisdom decided um, to, to basically uh, make sure that no more of these things crash on earth. So they start to, uh, to shoot them down. They want to shoot them down using nuclear weapons. And um, when they do that, they, the, the movie basically closes with um, a scene, like a radar picture of um, not just a couple of, of these meteors coming toward earth, but like, like thousands and thousands of them coming toward earth. Like they were um, at first it was just one or two and then it just builds and builds and builds. And then, so it it ends with like the end of the world. And I remember seeing this, I was 13 years old when I saw this movie and, and I, I like, I mean, by, by that age, you would think you would, uh, you would know that it was like not real, but I do have an overactive imagination. And so I couldn't sleep that night. I just kept thinking about what if it was real. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I couldn't convince well, the, myself that it wasn't, yeah. even though my parents were telling um, me, no, this is just a movie. It's it's just fiction. But my imagination. Yeah, but the style just, of it. Yeah. Yeah. The style yeah, well, of it really was really effective. Even War of the Worlds, like when uh, Orson Welles did. This reminds me. Even like oh, I, was, go ahead. I was saying War of the Worlds, when Orson Welles did the, the radio play, people were freaking out. Yeah. Like they were going on the streets and like, just like losing their minds and you know it, it has an effect on people especially if it's portrayed in a well enough manner that it seems somewhat real like i can't imagine if war of the worlds happened now and someone took it that seriously <laughs> like what would people do like mm. like you could totally like, put like with the production values of things that can be made today you, you could easily make something that looks completely real and and convince people that it's real and i seem to recall that this movie actually had um, people thinking it was real and actually calling the uh, the TV station. I'm gonna see if I can find the information on that. But was the name of it again? Uh, without warning. And it actually yeah. um, w- one of the actors in the movie, like it's mostly unknowns, but one of the actors in the movie was John Delancey from uh, Star Trek, Star Trek fame, uh, who played Q. Nice. And, and he was one of the uh, the the reporters that was interviewing uh. people. So you were sitting there like, oh, Q's back at it oh, again. It's Q. That guy. <laughs> Sorry, Hawk, you were saying something. The thing with the war, the thing with the war, well, two points, but the first thing with the War of the Worlds, and that, it's like you have to remember that's how fantastic a technology the radio mm-hmm. was back then. Uh, that you know, because people, you know, one of its other purposes in that was as a broadcasting system for you know government warnings and that for people. Um, you know, which was maybe been one of the reasons that people actually even bought one and put it in their house. Uh, it's it's hard to replicate that kind of experience in that in today's well, age. In that when like their only form of, of communication. Well, to be fair, with, remember know, when from, Hawaii got those uh, those cell phone alerts that were, they were saying that nuclear their that missiles were coming their way. Like, what yes. if someone did that the same? Like, did yeah. that like with the. Uh, you know, even with that kind of, you know, I know a lot of people were scared by it and that, but there were some people who were like, huh? Okay. And kind of, you know, went back to, you know, yeah, doing I'm sure whatever the same they thing were doing. happened to War of the Worlds, though, right? Not everyone freaked out, oh, but a lot of them yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. 
there is another point I wanted to make about that uh, in regards to Shouse and uh, Without Warning. Uh, there is an old Philip K. Dick short story. It's called Explorers We. Uh, and it's about a group of, tra- of uh, space explorers and they're heading back to Earth and that after a really long journey and that. And they're, you know, it kind of focuses on how excited they are to get back and touch down, and, you know, see their loved ones again. Uh, and they make an emergency. They make they cra- they land on Earth. I don't know if it was a crash landing on it, but anyways, when they get back and the, they're basically in a, in a sort of a isolated area, they don't know quite where they are, but they do find a town and find people there. But as soon but as soon as they enter the town, the people start freaking out and running away from them, and they can't understand why. Uh, and then. All of a sudden, people are, are gathering up arms and chasing them through the streets and finally cornering them in like some back alley uh, and getting ready to burn them alive. And they can't understand what's happening. Why are they doing this? You know? uh, it turns out that they're not, the, they're not the first set of people to return back. They're basically, they find oh, wow. out that they are copies oh, of the original aspect. And that whatever they encountered out in space and that, whatever yeah. killed them out there, might have sending them oh, back. That's fantastic. That's What's that com- called again? Yes. Explorers wow. We. That's great. That, yeah, I, be- I can't remember. I believe oh, it was, it was one of Philip the... It's Philip K. Dick. When, uh, Philip- yeah. Yeah, it was he was when he was publishing back for science fiction uh, magazines and that, and getting paid like I think like five cents yeah. a word. I'm just reading. Oh, that's. I'm awesome. just reading on uh, on Without Warning's Wikipedia page that there there was actually some controversy around Without Warning. They um they said that the network um, like during every commercial break they they put up a, a black screen and they said this is a work of fiction and apparently there was a ticker on the bottom of the screen also saying the same thing that it was a work of fiction they didn't use any real network logos but they said that they received uh, dozens of phone calls at various tv stations <laughs> um, and then the the networks that were not playing that particular broadcast because obviously it belonged to cbs um, they were getting phone calls too people complaining why are you not covering this this uh, world shattering event that's happening why is it only on cbs uh, so there are obviously <laughs> people that that you know, weren't paying attention, but that that movie I, I did find it on on YouTube. I don't know if uh, that's the uh, most honest place to go and see it. I believe there's also a DVD release. So if anyone's interested in checking that movie out, uh, that's an interesting. People one. don't buy DVDs anymore. It's Blu-ray now, man. I don't Blu-ray. know if they put that one out on Blu-ray. We're streaming on Netflix. Yeah, I don't think Ooh. it would be. I should check it out. Uh, but uh, anyway, Steve. Okay. Uh, Let's well, go over to you. So uh, this was something that I think uh, uh, I watched because uh, my mom found it at the library <laughs> and she didn't know Wait what it was. Minute. Did no one talk about Transformers? No. no. I right. fully expected somebody to. but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. Well, we can save it for next episode too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this was uh, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Now, um, I was somewhat familiar with Star Trek, but um, I don't think I'd seen any of the movies, which I guess there only would have been, you know, that one before it. But uh, anyway, so I, I remember watching this at home uh, by myself and I was definitely, hmm, I don't know, maybe 10 at most. I feel like I was younger. <laughs> it came out in uh, 1982. Um, so I don't know if I really want to uh, 
explain the whole plot because it, it's quite complicated. But um, I guess to highlight the scenes that uh, that traumatized me, because there was actually quite a lot of things that kind of uh, messed with me with this movie. Um, so first of all, there are a couple of characters, including uh, Chekhov and another character, a new character called uh, Captain Terrell, yeah. who are surveying uh, planets for an experimental technology called um, Genesis, which is a matter rearranging technology with the potential to completely uh, create uh, uh, from uh, worth, well, husk worlds, basically wastelands and turn them into totally vibrant uh, ecologies. Um, but they, in order to do so, they need to find planets that are uh, lifeless uh, and they need to make absolutely sure because they don't want to, uh, you know, inadvertently, um, you know, matter rearranged life so that idea in and of itself was was kind of profound to me you know because i was fun, just like yeah fun fun fact uh the genesis project was started by dr phil collins <laughs> <laughs> come on where, where, where's, where's that rim shot come on <laughs> wait wait oh no ah. i'm not gonna find it oh wait wait all right there we go <laughs> so getting back to my trauma um the concept of uh genesis in and of itself was was pretty crazy because you know i mean that's just that's just good sci-fi but of course it did beg the question like what would happen to somebody you know who was on a world you know that was you know being matter rearranged so that 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 was kind of freaky to me already because that was in the back of my mind anyway when uh Terrell and Chekhov uh explore uh one of the planets uh they discover that it is in fact inhabited and uh they're captured uh by Khan uh and uh what's left of his crew from the uh the previous uh episode uh Space Seed um anyway what happens to them is uh the only indigenous life that uh is still uh, alive uh, from whatever disaster uh, wrecked this planet uh, is this like uh, slug that lives under the under the sand and and they don't really show it in too much detail like you just sort of see its pincers you know coming through and just moving underneath the sand so that was really freaky and Khan like you know uses tongs and grabs one and uh, and in the film uh, this this weird uh, slug thing uh, when it uh, lays an egg in your ear. Uh, will slowly like burn through your brain, but in the process makes you uh, highly susceptible to suggestion. So <laughs> indirectly, they've been using it to mind control people and uh, it eventually kills you. So there's nothing that can be done about that, but uh, it doesn't matter because Khan uh, has got uh, two people now that he can uh, uh, brainwash basically. So that was horrifying because they showed this little, you know, this, this, this huge prop of, a, of an ear, <laughs> which by today's standards looks hilarious, but but watching it back then, you just see this ear and this little worm, like slowly making, you know, leaving a slime trail going like into the ear. And I'm just like, oh, oh yeah, and they're, and they're screaming the whole that. time, too, while it's going in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they put the helmets yeah, on. Yeah, because they place them inside the helmets and that. And they put the helmets back on, hold them yeah. in place. So nothing, nothing they can they do. Can and do it's so slow. It. It's so agonizingly slow, right? This little slug. So anyway, uh, so that was terrible. Then later in the film. Uh, they, uh, they encounter, uh, Kirk, uh, and some other characters and, um, due to their extreme loyalty and stress of, uh, being ordered to do things that they would never do, uh, the mind control breaks and, uh, Terrell, uh, turns his weapon on himself and, uh, and kills himself rather than kill, uh, Kirk and the other characters. And that completely traumatized me too, because I'd never seen, um, such a well done disintegration before. And I guess the idea of, 
sci-fi disintegration really also disturbed me. Just just thinking of like somebody, you know, coming apart on a molecular level, you know, and it's horrifying because he shoots himself and he screams yeah. when he yeah. dies too. Like it's not like a, you know, so so that that messed me up. And then Chekhov collapses on the ground screaming as as he does, and and then the worm came out of his out of his head. So that was horrible. Um, his scream and- was very effective yeah. Like, yeah yeah it was so loud and so like painful yeah, props yeah. to walter Koenig you could for sure feel it yeah, yeah yeah both of them were great but yeah Koenig's screaming left an impression definitely well it made you really believe that like something was coming out of his brain you know like oh because i mean i anyway um so then another thing <laughs> that, that really disturbed me was um after a, a pitched space battle in which uh, Khan uh, is uh, largely defeated, uh, before he dies, he uh, he's like half like you know like like he, half his face is gone, oh, he's like right? and he's like crawling along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's all burned and blown up from the ship, and like the acting and the makeup was just enough that like he looked really messed up. Like I'd never seen anybody like you know physically injured to that degree before, right? So so that was disturbing. And then the last thing about the movie uh, is, of course, the death of Spock. Now, so the death of a character is is bad enough, but I was completely unaware of a thing called radiation poisoning when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that going into the reactor of the ship could kill you because it was an invisible thing that could kill you, right? Like something that you couldn't even see, and 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 it was like wow. permanent because. You know, my dad explained this to me. He's like, oh, no, it messes up all your DNA. And I'm like, what's that? You know, and it's like this big, long explanation for how, like, you know, this invisible thing can completely, you know, ruin your insides and everything smaller than your insides. Like, <laughs> and then, like, minutes later, he's got all these, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, visible signs of deterioration. Right. And, and his death was horrendous as well. And yeah, I'm like, the, I was horrified by radiation at that like- point. The, the the slowly melting his yeah. face was like uh yeah they didn't even they didn't even really properly show him either like that was the most powerful thing is like they did the makeup on him but for a lot of that scene they don't really show him right like they just they had him sort of huddled in the corner until he until kirk you know like you know screams and 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 brings him over and and he just the way he like like stumbles over, like he's, he's completely falling apart. Like, oh, the acting was so good. So, so those are my multiple traumas from watching. No uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those subtle, those subtle acting cues. I mean, just just the change in his voice, like really sold. I mean, it's something about that. It brought it. It really brought out the best in William Shatner in that yeah. because, like, God, his eulogy to Spock is still yep. one of the, like you know still like, brings a lump to yeah, my I forgot throat, about that know? too. Yeah, that was yeah. good. If, if, if I can, in this universe, if I can add something really quick to this. But, Human, sure. it, like that was such a powerful scene, and this is why. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen Star Trek Into Darkness, the um the, the more recent mm-hmm. uh, one, yeah, where, where they basically took yes. the con idea and tried to reboot it. And they tried to, to at the end of yeah. that movie, they tried to recreate this similar scene with with the new actors, and, uh, well, and they, 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 they flipped it and everything. And it was like, yeah, no, come on, this was yeah. this was such an important scene in Star Trek. Why are you recreating this? But 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 don't forget, super blood, it cures everything. <laughs> Okay, let's that's again that that's going to be a whole other topic when we get into yeah. it. We should do an episode so, on Into Darkness. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, actually, about, um, just to bring it back to Khan and that, and uh, I guess the new Star Trek universe and that the earworm from uh, the the Star Trek reboot. 
that he used on Captain yeah. Pike. Yeah, they did it in 2009, Star Trek. Oh, was that yeah, the same? That was, is that the same creature? It, the same it wasn't the same creature, but it was an homage. Homage, yeah. I did okay. get that impression, yeah, that they were they were homaging it, yeah. Anyway, so those are my multiple mm-hmm. dramas from watching that one movie. It's a great movie, definitely, and mm-hmm. it left an impression. But I, oh. I, I, I thought about radiation poisoning and disintegration and and uh, and and uh, parasites for years afterwards. <laughs> so now you know why Boba well, Fett wasn't allowed to do that because it's mean. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so Eric. What's your movie that, to end our episode? Oh, you know, it's another one of those uh, lighthearted uh, yes. family fair movies. I, sh- I should have done Transformers, but I'm going to do one that actually scarred me for years. <laughs> and this movie, also 1993, so you know, when I was 12, I had a really good year. Was I'm just shaking my head the- here for everybody who can't see us. <laughs> Again, this, is, this was a TMN movie, and I saw it because I was like, oh, I like aliens, um, or at least the idea of it. was. So this movie's called Fire in the Sky. No one another, was watching what he was watching. <laughs> another movie that was sort of based on a, in true events. True, I'm going to put in air quotes because we don't know if it's really true. It's ba- it, it, These guys say this happened, but um, yeah, it was a book, and it got really popular. So... Let me let me let me take you back to to November 5, 1975 when this movie happened. So these these guys are they're they're um they live they live/work in Arizona and so they're you know they're driving home from work. And these guys they're just like they they see something flying in the air and they're like, "Oh crap, what's this?" So uh one guy gets out of the truck to investigate cuz you know that's a smart idea. So he walks up and this ray of light just sort of like, like it, it sort of sends him flying and then you don't really find out what happens. So, so, so the guys, the the rest of the guys, they go back and they're like, Oh man, our friend went missing. He got abducted and no one really believed him. They just thought, you know, so these guys killed their friend. You know, the police obviously thought that because who would who believe that until a couple of days later, the dude comes back. Uh, his name is Travis Walton. He was played by D.B. Sweeney. If you guys remember who he is, this movie actually had a lot of really good people. It had D.B. Sweeney, it had Robert Patrick, uh, Henry Thomas. Anyway, I was going to say Robert so, Patrick <clears throat> from uh, Terminator. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. He was actually one of the the. Uh, he was one of the co-workers. He wasn't even the cop. You would assume he would be the cop in this movie. He's not. He was one yeah, of the Yeah, because he's the he's the cop in everyone's mind. Or so, an X-Files agent, yes. <laughs> so basically the first little bit of this movie is these guys like telling the story about um, you know, hit their friend going missing. And then the dude comes back and he's under a polygraph and he starts talking about what happened to him. So basically this light picks him up and takes him up into a spaceship where like he has vivid memories of like aliens doing experiments on him and there are other people there and they're just like oh and then they drop him off and he's like naked and like terrified and you know this whole movie just I should really just post you guys the abduction scene and the scene from the spaceship because you'll watch it and it's actually quite scary um uh i okay i'm gonna read it on from the wikipedia so in his flashback he awakens inside a slimy cocoon 
breaking out of its membrane, he finds himself in a zero gravity environment inside a cylindrical enclosure whose walls, who wrote this, whose walls contain other similar cocoons. So, and then he finds other decomposing humans there. So then he gets dragged down by these aliens where they end up, you know, stripping him and then doing things with needles and stuff. And oh God, I don't really, really want to read it. It's probably reminding you of because I can remember it. It's reminding me of this scene, and I really don't want to. But needless to say, twelve-year-old me (laughs) does not like the idea of space anymore. Well, no, I do. But like aliens, like this, this movie scared me for days. Like I used to have nightmares from this movie, um, especially uh, like the polygraph thing. So. Yeah. To, uh, and he, I, I gotta yeah, stop watching yeah, movies. Like, I, I should have stopped watching movies at that age based on true stories because, <laughs> like, <laughs> it just it just ruined me. <laughs> so that's um, right, folks. Really? Uh, make sure your kid has access to all the movies they want on any film network because it uh, it makes for good podcasts later. Yeah, in exactly. You know what? You know what made it worse was that the special effects were so oh, good were. in this movie. That they looked realistic. Yeah. Like, it was done by ILM, so obviously done well. Yeah, and they, sh- <laughs> and they shot it in a way that, to add to the realism, too. Like, I think it's probably one of the earliest movies that, you know, attempted to uh, shoot his recollection in a way that was uh, not so much cinema- c- cinematic, but, you know, more, uh, you know, guerrilla style, you know? And, yeah, scary and, like, mm-hmm. in your face and yeah. just, like... Like it left him traumatized. It left me traumatized. That's <laughs> what this movie is. Did anyone else see this movie, or is it. it just me? Because we really, we really I, should watch this movie. I know I haven't too. sat through the whole thing and that, but it does kind of it, it kind of made me think about like how the whole thing about alien conspiracy in that re- in the nineties was yeah, you know it was huge. It was like kind of epoch. Yeah, it was huge. It was almost like vampires back in like you know mid two thousands and that with uh, Twilight. But uh, well, you know uh, the X Files helped with that. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I was going to say, uh, you know, the X Files was fantastic at doing uh, doing stories around the like recovered memory and that. There was one particular episode that in which uh, Mulder woke up without any memory in that, uh, his shirt covered in blood, and two rounds missing from his gun. Uh, oh, it, I remember that. You remember that one? It turned out that the you know he had been he involved himself in a memory recovery experiment and that uh, hmm. involving using a small drill to in. Uh, to drill a small hole into the skull hmm. uh, and an electrode is used to stimulate like uh, a certain segment of the brain. Uh, but the memories he was trying to recover, do you remember that? Uh, there were mm-hmm. memories of him, him and his uh, sister as kids in that cottage, oh, yeah. the parents arguing over which one of them was going to be given over to the, to the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. I don't Amazing. know how, like, I, I walk around outside I know, I, right? <laughs> after watching <laughs> these things as a child. Like, I used to still, like, go out and bike everywhere as a kid. And I know. You'd think that this would uh, affect me, but apparently not as much as I think. I don't know. I still, there's still times when I'm, like, driving on a, like, an, especially where I am in Guelph. Like, there, mm-hmm. there, there, are, there, there are roads that look like the road. Oh yeah, and fire in the sky, and that does, <laughs> that does come up when it's around yeah. your place. And that, yeah, that's yeah, a you're, great. You're driving your pickup like, truck. When I'm driving, <laughs> when I'm driving to my in-laws and it's nighttime, I'm just like, oh my god, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen, isn't it? One of these days, that that's what's going through my head as I'm driving. And then and then sometimes it'll be so foggy, and I'm like, oh god, I am definitely gonna die. <laughs> 
that's a sign of a, an effective movie. <laughs> like, like there, there are times like it gets so foggy up like where my in-laws are that they have fog days. Like they cancel buses and stuff because you can't <laughs> oh see. God, like that's how thick the fog is. It's so crazy. Oh, I need to find you some more movies that have uh, you know fog horror just to like the uh, mist. Add to, add to exactly. Them. Yeah, I'll find a few more that uh, are gonna add oh, to your road trip. I love the mist. By the way, if anyone hasn't seen it, just watch it. The black and white version is so good too. Oh, just just beautiful. Um. Yeah, I guess that's the end. Do we do we have any um, honorable mentions to our movies that traumatize? We should save them. I think I think we've got a lot actually of material that would make for a whole other episode. So maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, uh, we we could even guys... just do a series of these. <laughs> like, yeah. These are all the movies that killed us as children, that just broke broke us down a little bit more and more. Yeah. Like like we definitely have to talk about Transformers. Yeah, no, I think movie. I think this is this is good. Like, this is good like you know therapy. You know, so I I think I think we should I save them. Let's, let's, I don't know if this is therapy as much as it brought back memories. Yeah. Yes. Now that I've read this Fire in the Sky thing, I just like want to die right now. Yeah. Well, no, this is good. This is good. I, 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 I like kind of want to see Fire in the Sky again, though. Particular. <laughs> as yeah. an adult? Um, yeah. You know what? Like, you'd think that it, it, it wouldn't be as scary, but like, even just watching the clips, like, I, I watched the clip of the, as, we, as I was doing research on this, I, I, do, I, I watched the clip of the, the abduction again. It's uh. still scary. <laughs> or I don't know if that's so much me as me remembering that fear as a child, but it's still, it freaked me out right now. Like it's the whole process, it's like it's a whole process of it, and that the, you know the abduction and that, and then waking up like you know like being stripped naked, and you're in some sort of weird cocoon. Yeah. That, you know, and, and then as soon as you get out of it, you see all these dead people there, and like yes. even the poster, like just the poster, is him getting like in that beam of light. Like just yeah. that yeah. image, yeah. The the visceral, me. the visceral details of it is is really what makes it effective. You know, whether it it happened or not, he he was able to uh, um, explain enough that it 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 creates an experience. You know that mm. w- that was very effective. Um, yeah, definitely. But that cocoon scene <laughs> kind of kind of reminded me of the uh, the Matrix. Like, I wonder if it was inspired at all that particular scene where. Or you know, Keanu oh, Reeves sure, climbing I'm out sure. of the, oh, the pod. I have no doubt that all the movies and shows that we discussed had impacts on film creators and TV shows later. I, I have no <laughs> doubt. Like like that one that you were talking about, Shouse, with the alien invasion. I'm sure anyone who has done an alien invasion movie since uh, has had some memory of yeah. that show. Um, it, it just it just seems that way to me. Oh, so apparently uh, Chris Carter from the X-Files, the creator of X-Files, liked Robert Patrick so much in this movie that he cast them in oh, X-Files. Oh, well, there you go. So he obviously yeah. Uh, yeah. saw the he movie. He over too. in season eight when, uh, when Dave Duchovny left. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. Agent well, John. I guess I guess we should just, just leave it there and we should like maybe throw it out to our, our listeners. Were there any movies? Wait, was anyone any one of our movies from her? Our lists, um, something that scared you as a child, why don't you send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca or we can get Steve to read the rest of this. Or you can follow us on Twitter at uh, geekswithkids.cn uh, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkidspodcast. We also have an Instagram 
at uh, instagram.com slash geeks with kids. Uh, Which I'll and, figure out how to use one day. As always, you can find all of our episodes at libsyn.geekswithkids.com uh, or on your favorite podcasting service. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming Very out. This cool. was a fun episode, yeah. if not uh, extra traumatizing for me. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to go to sleep now. I'm yeah. going to probably have to be Good up night. for a little bit. Just yeah. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you. Thank you, Shouse. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Hawk, for coming thank on you. again. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And um, thank you for listening. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Bye.